0: Thanks for being here today. We are in a series called Wildfire, which you know by now, and this is a series where we're looking at the book of Acts, and today's sermon is called When Jesus Chooses You. When Jesus Chooses You. Now, I was thinking this week of a couple things, a couple maybe uh, examples of choosing And I thought of the the first baby that Casey and I ever had was not our son, William, our oldest. It was a fur baby. I don't know if you have any fur babies at home. You know, uh, we we had a a little mutt. She was a total mutt. Her name was Sadie. And we went like a lot of you have done. We went on a Saturday to the, the big pet store in our town and we picked out a fur baby. She was a little puppy. She had short brown fur. She had the black markings on her. I mean, just the cutest thing. She wasn't super hyper, which we we're like, okay, we, we think, you know, we, we can we can handle this. And we had that thought of a lot of young couples think that, hey, if we can keep a dog alive, maybe someday we can keep a child alive, right? So that was our thinking. And we picked her out. I mean, here were all these puppies in all these cages, and we found the one that we wanted. We picked her out. I was thinking of another example of picked or chosen. In if if you remember being a child on the playground. If you went to a a regular school and you went out on the playground during recess and they played kickball or football and, you know, some kid would be the team captain and they would start choosing, you know, I want this one, I want that one, I want this one. And and if you remember being the one that was out there waiting to be chosen, you you really wanted to be called, right? You, You wanted someone to pick you. Because if you, like me, a couple times were the last one to be picked and they're kind of like thinking hard, like, ah, oh, I don't want either one of you, but maybe I'll just take that one, right? Nobody likes that feeling. Everybody wants to be picked, to be chosen. I want to look at a story today of how Jesus chooses. It's going to be in Acts uh, chapter 9. If you want to start turning there with me, this is... An incredible story it's a story that changes the whole uh, trajectory of the movement that we're studying and it changes our Bibles okay because the, the story that we're gonna read is about a man named Saul Saul was also known as the Apostle Paul and he wrote most of our New Testament Okay, so this is an incredible story. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. If you want to just kind of read along with me today, we're going to read a lot, but it's a story and it's a good story. So, chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, real quick side note, the way, you guys know this, these were the followers of Jesus. That's what it was first called. It wasn't, it wasn't called Christianity, it was called the way. We belong to the way. Verse three, as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, don't miss that. Jesus appears to Saul and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, who is Saul persecuting? He's persecuting men, and women who belong to the way, which means that Jesus is so, so close to his people that when his people are persecuted, he is persecuted. I love the heart of God, that he is so near to us. He says, why are you persecuting me? Verse five, who are you, Lord, Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... Here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus. For some time, immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, "'Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests?' But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah." Skip down to verse 31. It says, So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this amazing story. Saul, the persecutor of the church, Saul, the man who thought he was doing God's service. He was was doing what God had called him to do by imprisoning and killing Christians. Any of that sound familiar? We would call that terrorists, right? That is what Saul was. He viewed this as his honoring of God. He was zealous, zealous for the law. He was from Tarsus. He, he wasn't from Jerusalem. He was, he was a Greek-speaking Jew, but this man was Jew to the core. I mean, he was a Pharisee. He was so um, zealous for the law of God. And Jesus chooses Saul. You know, there's a phrase in here. In verse 15, he uses this phrase. The Lord tells Ananias, he says, This man is my chosen instrument. The terrorist, the zealot, the persecutor of Christians is God's chosen instrument. This past week, I was uh, hanging out in my yard while my kids were playing, and uh, my neighbor came by, and we started talking in the yard. We started talking about spiritual things. And uh, he knows I'm a pastor, so sometimes when people know that about you, they ask you questions. And he's asking me about um, people who murder people. Like, can they be forgiven? You know, I think it's an honest question. I was like, well, uh, actually, I referenced this story, Most of the New Testament was written by a guy who murdered Christians. He was like, what? Mind blown, right? Jesus chooses Saul. It's incredible. And I think what this tells us, this gives us insight into how God works, is that Jesus chose Saul before Saul ever chose Jesus. Did you see that? Saul is anti-Jesus. He's not like, well, whatever's good for you is good for you. Whatever's good for me is good for me. He's not agnostic. He's not casual. He is anti. Anti Anti-Christ, anti-Jesus. And when he's in that state, Jesus chooses him. When Saul wants nothing to do with Jesus, Jesus wants something to do with with Saul and that's not just Saul's story by the way that's our story that's my story and if you're a a believer in Christ that's your story I uh, was thinking of some other passages this week Romans 5 came to mind verses 8 through 10 it says but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us, how much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, right, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by this life? That's our story. You and I, when we were sinners, when we were enemies in that state, that's exactly when Jesus said, I'm going to die for you. And he looks over humanity and he sees for the joy set before him, he endures the cross and he sees our faces and he says, you, 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 you. He's choosing people for his glory, for his name. When we were his enemies. 1 Peter 2.9 Peter says, you are a chosen people, all of you. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, that you are a chosen person. That's astounding. Jesus chooses Saul before Saul ever chooses Jesus. I found this quote uh, from A.W. Tozer. I, I love A.W. Tozer. He's one of my favorite uh, dead guys that I read. He was a pastor in uh, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I think he died in the 60s. Pastored a church in Chicago and up in Toronto. He wrote this. He says, Christian theology teaches the doctrine of prevenient grace, which briefly stated means that before a man can seek God, God must first have sought the man. Before a sinful man can think a right thought of God, there must have been a work of enlightenment done within him. Imperfect it may be, but a true work nonetheless and the secret cause, I love that phrase, the secret cause of all desiring and seeking and praying which may follow. What's the point of that? Well, this means if there's any urge in you to seek God, if there's anything in you that, that wants to pray when you're by yourself, then I, I just want to tell you that Jesus is working inside of you. And it's not because you earned it, it's not because you were good enough, it's when you were his enemy, when you were still in your sin, when you were dead in your trespasses, when you were anti-Jesus, Jesus began to work inside of you, because he loves you, and he's calling you. And Jesus is still choosing chosen instruments. Saul, so, he meets him in this radical way. I, I can't imagine that scene, right? Just walking down the road. Maybe he's riding a donkey or whatever, and he's going down the road. And then, boom, flash of light, right? Just floods. I mean, he's blinded by the, 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 the glory that he sees, and the voice comes from heaven, right? That, it's amazing. And I imagine it was a whoops moment, I don't know, if, have you ever had a whoops moment? I, I've had some whoops moments in my life. Uh, we also call those a foot in my mouth moments. Have you ever had a foot in your mouth moment where you say something you probably shouldn't have said to the person you shouldn't have said it to? Husbands, wives, you might have done that before uh, with one another. You say something and you think, whoops, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I was thinking about um, our, I mentioned our first fur baby that we, that we chose as a couple, and as that dog grew up, uh, the muttness of the dog became more and more apparent. But you see, from the, the stomach up, my dog looked kind of like a Labrador retriever, and from the, the stomach down, it looked sort of like a basset hound, and it had like that one leg that kind of kicks out like this, right? And it's like the kind of dog that's kind of ugly but cute at the same time, right? And uh, great personality, and one day I was um, helping, I was serving at a church in Wimberley, Texas, beautiful hill country place. And the church had 26 acres. The pastor said, hey, we gotta go fix some stuff. We got fallen trees and an old shed that's falling apart. And so we all went out there and I thought, I'm gonna bring my dog, we're working outside. Like it's that, that's a cool thing to do, right? Put the dog in the truck and go work outside. And so I bring the dog and some other people brought their dogs. And my friend, my co-worker's name is Josh. We're, we're loading some brush into the back of the truck. And it's just us standing there. And I think my, my dog was running around. And he looks at me and he says, hey, man, don't say anything to Jennifer, who was our children's pastor, who brought her dog. He says, don't say anything to Jennifer, but between you and me, that's the ugliest dog I've ever seen. Well, he wasn't pointing at Jennifer's dog. He was pointing at my dog. <laughs> Whoops. I said, bro, that's my dog, right? Oh, man, you should have seen his face. I mean, he's just like backpedaling. Oh, I'm sure she's great. She's, you know, she's so sweet. You know, all those kinds of things. It was a whoops moment. And I have lots of grace because I've done that many a time. But I think about Saul, persecutor of the church thinking I'm doing the work of God I've got to stomp out this cult these people that are rejecting the true way the the way that we got from Moses on the mountain and now this Jesus thing is, is stirring and he's going to go stomp it out one by one and then Jesus the living son of God the Messiah splits the heavens and says you're not persecuting them you're persecuting me Whoops, right? But here's the point. My first point this morning is that when Jesus chooses you, he'll get your attention. He'll get your attention. You probably have a story where God got your attention. Something happened in life, something began to change inside of you, some things unfolded, some circumstances, I don't know your story, but God got your attention because that's what God does, is that when he chooses you, he gets your attention. Saul is blinded by the light of Jesus' glory. He can't even see and the man who was blind to Jesus before, he couldn't see Jesus. All he could see was his, his viewpoint, his way of life, his, his religion, his thing. That's all he could see. And, and he was blind to Jesus. And now the one who was blinded to Jesus can't see anything else but Jesus. He's blinded by the sight of him. He can't eat or drink for three days because he's so shaken by what's happened. I remember when Jesus started to get my attention. I was uh, not a zealous for the law uh, kind of person. I was kind of zealous for, like, let's not obey any laws and let's just do some fun stuff together. That was my thing. That was my way of life. And, uh, you know, doing what a lot of high school kids do, partying, drinking, girls, all the fun stuff. In my mind, that was, that was it. That was life. That was what it was all about. That was the good life that I'd always wanted. And then something started to change inside of me. I would go to the parties, and I would hear the same story every time. Remember that time we got drunk and blah, 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 blah? And you laugh, and you're like, man, I think we told that story last weekend. You know, like... We, we, I started to see there was something was changing inside of me where it wasn't fun anymore. And uh, I remember being with my girlfriend and then just having these strong feelings of conviction, like this isn't right. Something's wrong here. This isn't the good life that I thought it was. Something's missing. And then going to a camp... And hearing somebody with tears in their eyes speak about what Jesus had done for my sin. <laughs> I'd, I'd been to church, but I hadn't heard the gospel like that before. And everything changed. God got my attention. And I bet God is getting your attention. And when he gets our attention, he gives us a reality check. Whoops. Whoops. Second thing is this. When Jesus chooses you, he has a purpose in mind. He has a purpose in mind. Now, This is so important. Check this out in in verse 15. If you just look further into that, that verse, it says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, Jesus saw something in Saul. The the man who was going across the world, the known world, to stomp this thing out is now going to go all across the known world to spread it. If we're to talk about wildfire and the kingdom and the gospel spreading like wildfire, the fireman became the arsonist, right? The the fire stopper became a fire starter, and he's spreading the gospel like crazy because Jesus chooses him with a purpose in mind. He's got a purpose in mind for you. Did you know that? that God has a purpose in mind for you? And you're like, no, not me. Maybe somebody else here today, but not me. Guess what? God has a purpose for you, and it's to take his name. That word instrument, chosen instrument, is also translated as the word vessel. Now, you and I, when we think of the word vessel, we often think of a boat, right? That's that's a vessel. We think about it carrying something, and, Saul, also called Paul, was going to be a vessel, a carrier of the gospel. We use the term here, the language that we exist to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel. You and I as vessels that carry it everywhere we go, taking the name with us. We are vessels of God. We have a calling. We have a purpose. My third point this morning is this. When Jesus chooses you, he'll reverse the direction of your life. He reverses the direction of your life. Check out verse 20. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the guy in Jerusalem who was, who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah one encounter with Jesus reverses the whole direction of his life. (laughs) He, He was the one who was hauling them off as heretics. And now he's convincing them, you've got to believe this. He's the son of God. And he proves from the word, he proves that he's the Messiah. And here's the thing. God still reverses the direction of our life. You know, the the essential message of Jesus was this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here right now. The kingdom is here right now. And he says repent, do you know what the word repent means? It means reverse, right? You're going this way, repent. Oh, back to God. It's turning ourselves, reversing our lives back to the Father. It's turning our hearts towards him. To repent is to reverse. And Saul is reversed. And here's my concern. I think that we, we live in the information age and there's like blogs everywhere and sermons you can download and all kinds of stuff at our fingertips. And it's like three tips to become more of this and four tips to become more of that and five steps to be better at this over here. And I feel like there's a lot of tweaking going on. Like if I could just tweak my life a little bit, that, that'd be great. And I, I think we have to be careful that we don't try to tweak something that Jesus is reversing. Does that make sense? We, 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 had, we need to be careful that we don't just like start tweaking our little lives without first reversing our hearts back to him to repent. Here's my, my hunch, like this is just Chris speaking, this is not from the word of God, this is just my, my walk with God, what I think we're going to see, okay? Um, I've been a part of the worship movement, the praise and worship movement. Back when I started leading worship in the 90s, it was a big deal to do songs on screens. People in churches got really upset when that happened. Some of y'all remember those days, right? It's like, you know, the hymnal is like, it's like the Bible and the Baptist hymnal, bro. You don't touch those things, right? And that, that was the idea. And so when this Jesus music started entering churches, it was a big deal and we saw the lord do all kinds of work in in rejuvenating worship and churches beautiful things god moving spirit moving it's been amazing to where now that's that's mainstream and so when i was in round rock and i was serving at a church as a worship pastor and i was thinking about the worship wars of the old time and i thought lord what are you doing next Like, I've been a part of that, and that's been beautiful, but like, what are you doing next? What's the the movement that you're doing now? And what I sensed in my soul was this, repentance. I think the next move of God that we're going to see, not just here, but I think just in our nation, is going to be a movement of repentance, where God reverses the direction of people's lives, I mean, how amazing would that be? The the first great awakening in the U.S. was a movement of repentance. People heard the word of God, and they were troubled. Their souls trembled. They're like, we have to get right with him. And I think that day is coming again. We're going to see lots of people reverse. And I can't wait to see it. When Jesus chooses you, He doesn't tweak your life, He reverses it. Lastly, the Jesus movement moves when God's chosen people step into God's chosen purposes. We're looking at movements, we're looking at the wildfire, we're looking at the spread, and we're saying, God, we want that here, we want that now. We wanna see your name go to our our 200,000 people that live in our five mile radius right here in, in the Richmond, Rosenberg area. That's what we're asking for. God, move, move in power. And here's the deal, the Jesus movement moves when God's chosen people step into God's chosen purposes. Why do I say that? Well, look at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. The Greek word plethuno means multiplied. It just blew up because Chosen instruments like Saul, we're finding their purpose in God, and we're living it out. So, I want to close with this thought. Uh, In any story, we, we read a story, and I think we look for the characters that we connect with. We we look for the ones that we resonate with, and we're kind of figure out, try to figure out who am I in this story. I think we do that subconsciously when we watch television shows or movies. We we think about who am I in this story. I just want to ask you, who are you in the story? I think every one of us is Saul. We were enemies. We, we were anti-Jesus. In how we lived, maybe we didn't think we were, but in how we lived, we were enemies of the cross of Jesus. And yet, somehow, God, in his way, worked in us, getting our attention, calling us to himself. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're Saul, and you're like, you know, honestly, if I'm, if I'm real with you, I've been living anti I'm not submitted to God. I don't follow Jesus. I just want to ask you, is Jesus getting your attention right now? Is there something that's shifting inside of you? Is he doing something in you? Have you surrendered yourself to him and to the purpose that he has for your life? And are you willing to reverse, to come back, to turn to him? But there's another character in the story, Ananias. He's praying. He's following Jesus. He already believes in Jesus. He used to be Saul, but now he's Ananias. He's walking with God. And then the Lord tells Ananias, get up and go. There's somebody that I'm sending you to. Some of you are like Ananias, you're you're following Jesus, you're seeking him. And here's our challenge as a church right now, I'm challenging us to help people find and follow Jesus and out of our 200,000 people that live in our area, to pick one, to be like Ananias and say, Lord, who are you directing me to? So for you, who is God directing you to? Who's your one? Who are you helping to find and follow Jesus? Jesus is still choosing people. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still calling. He's still disrupting people's lives so that they will take his name. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.